There's a lot of talk in the digital signage industry about uh, creating a more consumer-like experience, which makes sense because uh, we are consuming data at a phenomenal rate. We're creating data and consuming it through smartphones, tablets, computers, televisions sometimes. Most of our day is spent in some way, shape, or form interacting with devices and applications that allow us to get data. And the way that we do that is very individual. In fact, it's so individual that some people are predicting that when the technology gets there to be able to identify how someone uses uh, said technologies, that that is better than a password because no two people use it exactly the same way. So we're going to talk a little bit about why customer experience is the new buzzword. I'm here with Sean Matthews, president and CEO of Physix. Hello, Sean. Hello, Derek. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you for coming. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Digital Signage Done Right. Whether you're new to digital signage or a seasoned pro, this podcast gives you practical advice about systems, communications, and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt, Communications Specialist for Physics. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. Okay, so uh, CX, UX, business loves acronyms. <laughs> They love to be jargony. Uh, customer experience, user experience, same thing, different things? Yeah, it's basically the same thing. I think, you know, when you think about um, digital signage technology and, and how it's being used, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, customer experience um, situations, particularly in, uh, you know, quick serve restaurants and places where you might interact with kiosks. But uh, Yeah, more and more all the time. Yeah, yeah. It, but in the world of corporate and campus communication, it's the same thing. We're trying to create a personal customer experience or user experience because the days have evolved and uh you know it used to be that digital signs were designed to replace printed placards and posters and that kind of thing but it's moved way beyond that because quite frankly you know now with displays getting larger and better and uh you know more dynamic the the reality is is that interactive displays and interactive devices are they're ubiquitous and so you have one in your pocket with you every day and so you expect the same experience or better from a very large display in a corporate lobby. Anywhere you go now, you see little fingerprints all over the screens because people automatically walk up and say, oh, can I? No? Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a little bit of sense of uh, uh, rejection or failure if you can't interact with the display. So, <laughs> disappointment. Yeah, disappointment. Oh, wow. These guys are so five years ago. Yeah. And so what's interesting about that, though, of course, is that it does put additional burden on the content creators because now they're having to create a personal experience that that person can interact with and your interactions might be different than mine. So it's not just one part of the screen, it's multiple zones on the screen need to have interactive elements built into them. So the content creation uh, responsibility and experience is much different and it's more sophisticated, more elaborate. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's interesting. This has happened in a in rather a short period of time. I mean, I remember back in the I guess it was the mid '80s, mid late '80s. I had one of the very early IBM clones, as they were known, the uh, 386. You know, yeah. you had your choice of green text on a black background, or if you were super fancy, amber, and that that was it. And I actually saw. When I moved to Europe, I saw at a university campus the earliest form of the internet when it was all text. It was all DOS. It was all text. That was the whole thing. And then in the mid-90s, here comes the web with this different way of looking at things, Apple Pioneers icons and all of this. And it just transformed them. Think about those early websites compared to, say, websites today. Compared to now, clunky, 
cumbersome, slow, difficult to negotiate, difficult to figure out. Some people didn't even know why they needed them. And then over time, it's changed. Yeah. And I think when you look at, you know, the consumer expectation of what's happened since you you noted the, the World Wide Web shows up in the 90s and the, you have this sort of 1.0 web period. Yeah. Right? But then, you know, we quickly get into Apple introducing the iTunes store and I have access to whatever type of music content that I really want to get my hands on, right? It right. just costs, costs a little bit of money. But then RSS feeds came along, so now I can curate news channels and things that I'm interested in. But when you talk about the speed in terms of time, MySpace is in 2003, Facebook is 2005. Right, and people then, mock MySpace now, just like they mock Napster. Yeah. You know. And and then when you when you keep going further in the in the amount of time that we're talking about, YouTube comes along in two, uh, 2006, uh-huh. which is now the second largest search engine in the world, and then you get Twitter about the same time, and then after all of that, the smartphone shows up. And so right, it, was it 2008, 2009, yeah. something like that? Yeah. So if you think about that in the past 10 years, our experience with interactivity and our ability to access, quote unquote, whatever we want, I mean, it's off the chart, right? I mean, the yeah. experience is insanely efficient. And now your expectation is the same of that 70-inch display in the student center. You want to interact with the event schedule because that's what's on screen. And you, your expectation is there's more to that event schedule. And, and I liken this with my kids when they watch Netflix all the time. In fact, you know, they're the minor, the kids that they don't even use cable anymore. It's just streamed. Right. Cable? Yeah. Isn't that a physical thing, Dad? <laughs> yes. Why would you have that? How did you walk around with a cable? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but what's even interesting about watching them interact with Netflix is, so yes, they're interacting to find what it is that they want to see. But even within whatever it is that they're viewing, if they want to learn about Scarlett Johansson, they can actually drill down into her while watching you know, something that she's in. Yeah. Right? And so it, to me, it's, you know, it's just an expectation that I can interact with that screen and you've provided me with the content that I'm looking for in some way, shape or form, depending on how I drill into or interact with the material that's on screen. Yeah, you know, it seems to me those those early websites were very much like, it's not a nice visual metaphor, but it is the metaphor that comes to mind is, you know, leading cattle through the, the maze on their way to slaughter. It, there's one way to go and that was just it. And then over time, it got much wider and now people can interact. It seems like the way you want to offer information now or data is here's a bunch of data as much of it as possible, all-you-can-eat buffet, you choose what you like. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, what you're describing there, which is is very different than, again, the, the digital sign replacing a poster. Yeah. You know, it's always been this phrase in our industry that content is king. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, a cute little thing to say about um, material that's on screen. But there's more to content than just putting pretty images or effective messages on screen. Now, Content is comprised of data and information that I want to use and access for the purpose of making my experience here more rewarding and or fulfilling. And, you know, it's my expectation that I'm going to interact with whatever it is that you're putting on screen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to get to a point where everything will be a touch. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about the challenges of, of that, you know, on the surface, you're like, man. Yeah, it's a, on the back end, that's a very complicated project. Right, because, you know, if you take it today, things like wayfinding are becoming ubiquitous in lobbies and things like that. And of course, it's easy to look at things like donor boards and mission statements and 
virtual tours, that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that it can be much more interactive. And that's what you're going to see is, Mm. you know, event promotions and surveys and sign-ins and your ability to respond to social media content there at the screen. I mean, it's much more than just a static display or static communications. We are looking for creating a memorable experience Mm. that you're going to take away with you. In fact, we might even add RSS plugs in the design so that you can take that experience with you in the form of a URL. Right. right? And so you can extend that experience with your friends or somewhere else. Right. I, I can I can foresee a future where there's something, say, on the digital sign that piques my interest for whatever, and I just tap my phone to it, and it just transfers that information over. It transfers a link or something like that, so I can just go, oh, tap, yep. and then I walk away with it. Oh, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. Recently, I was with a client at a, at a church in Houston, and they had this video wall that was comprised of like 10 screens, mm. and there were two little children in the lobby of this facility. And And the customer had already said that they were experiencing some problems with some of the interactive displays. And they said that people were touching them with like multiple fingers, right? And these were multi-touch displays, but it wasn't until we got there. (laughs) Not 40 fingers. Right. (laughs) And we observed little kids literally slapping the displays with their hands, you know, to try to interact uh, with these because they thought there was going to be some experience. And there was. Obviously, it wasn't designed for children. It was just an error code. Yes. (laughs) And so you you can imagine two little kids saying they're just slapping these displays and yeah. running from display to display. And, uh, you know, it was an eye-opening experience for mm. me because to see two kids, you know, maybe four or five years old. Yeah, they've never known a different world. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. They're like, of course you can interact with it. Yep. And then, you know, 20 years from now, they'll say, of course it's a hologram. Yeah. And, you know, for us, you know, we're talking now about touchscreen interactive displays, but, you know, we're already moving forward to the next generation of that experience, which is simply talking to the display. Uh-huh. You know, the same way you talk to Alexa or Siri or whatever, you know, you're going to see the same thing from companies like Visix and others. We were the first to, to show that technology at a trade event not too, too long ago. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, we're going to extend that from a development perspective so that um, you can just drop in our widgets and add voice commands to those widgets so that if you want the weather, when someone talks to the weather or asks what's the weather going to be like, you know, you can set parameters for it providing three-day forecasts, four-day forecasts, or whatever. Uh-huh. So the entire experience of interacting with the display is going to move beyond just physical interaction, but also just audible interaction to get so some you just of the- walk up to the sign and say, hey, dude, show me the weather. Yep. And it does. And it, and it, it will do that. So wow. that's that's the next stage in this sort of interactive experience. And um, yeah, it's we're, we're cleaner. excited. It's cleaner than a physical touchscreen. <laughs> well, you can imagine hospitals are obviously those that are asking for this type of technology, right? Sure, sure. Voice user interfaces, VUIs, that's the next step. What's going to come after that? I mean, everybody keeps thinking Minority Report, you know, where it scans your retina and says, Hi, Sean Matthews. Would you like to buy another pair of shoes? They're having a sale. Well, you know what's interesting about technology is that often we see people, you know, pioneer certain technologies and let's say augmented reality with digital signage, for example. Which people are trying, yeah. Yeah, but we demonstrated augmented reality five years ago and it never took off. And so when you also think about using um, interactions in the air, you know, and uh, um, not even... Right, gesture interfaces. Yeah, and so when you think about that, you know, that technology has been around for a while. And lots of guys have experimented with it and it just hasn't taken off. And so I'm always reluctant to say, like, what does the future hold? Because some of these things have already been disclosed, but yet have already been, you know, rejected. If you think about Google Glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened with that? I can't remember their name. Q. 
cube brick or something. I can't remember what they were called. But that interface that was used in the movie Minority Report, where they're just gesturing yep. in a kind of a 3D projected into the air computer interface, that was actually a real company. They weren't that far along, but they were getting there. And that was quite a number of years ago. And that company is still languishing. And I think that that's because they're getting leapfrogged. The change of pace is so fast in technology now that someone comes up with a great idea. And then before they can really develop it and convince the public that that's the way to go, the next smart kids on the block have already found a way to overtake them and do everything it can do plus more. Yep. That's the challenge of being in the technology business, right? And maintaining a business life cycle in that competitive environment um, is always, always a challenge. And so that's why every day, you know, we're having to look at other ways to interact with these displays. Never a dull moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You know, I think a lot of companies might get, because of this, oh gosh, what if I go for a voice user interface and a year from now, something better comes along? Am I going to be stuck in the past? Am I going to be in this? But I think that it behooves companies, especially larger companies with, say, an enterprise-wide deployment to think of more long-term than they're maybe accustomed to, much longer than a quarter or even maybe even a fiscal year, and think about how that innovative tech will, in fact, save you money over time. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously an important, you know, everybody talks about future-proofing technologies and those types of things, but it it is obviously something that it's just a function of technology and that's technological obsolescence. It just happens. And I am reluctant to tell anybody that we will have all of the answers forever, but uh, we certainly (laughs) have built a platform that with using, you know, best of breed type practices like widgets and apps and other things that we can drop into the platform using out-of-band development, you know, helps us stay more more current and provides us with the ability to update the technology more efficiently sure. than we might if we were locked into some you know, legacy architecture. Today, uh, environmental concerns are very much in the news and on people's minds. And uh, obviously, you're no longer printing posters and things like this. And there are all of those things that you have to recycle them or they end up in a landfill. Or they release methane and a bunch of stuff. The ink is toxic and so on. Yet the argument can also be made, yes, but we're, you know, these things are using electricity, mm. obviously. Are they more environmentally friendly? I think in the modern age, we can say certainly. You know, unfortunately, that's a part of technology. And to build technology, it does have an environmental impact, period, right? I mean, and, uh, you know, everything that's plastic has some petroleum-based, you know, element to it. Your laptops, these displays, computers all have, you know, mercury and other things in them that, uh, you know, are, are global contaminants. But when compared to those other legacy technologies, printing and, you know, other things, this is far less damaging. In fact, even if you think about a plasma display 15 years ago yeah. compared to a OLED display today, the energy consumption and the um, amount of energy consumed to produce them is a fraction of what it used to be. And so... Yeah. And to it, use them is, I mean, it's way the yep. tenth. It's way down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a perfectly clean world to build technology, but um, I think that, yeah, the cost to, to maintain it is less than some of those other technologies that were around for hundreds of years and printing. and mm-hmm. yeah. One of the things we talk about today is cars and, oh, cars are so dirty and this and this. And yes, they are. There's no doubt about them. They throw a lot of carbon into the air. And yet, think about what they replaced. They replaced horses. And horses and what they produce after they're done eating, let's just yeah. let's just be honest there, uh, was actually in cities at least far more polluting, caused disease, shortened people's lives, like yeah. all of this. So in fact, the car when it came around, even though it comes with its own attendant problems, was in fact the cleaner solution. Yeah. 
than say horses. And I would say the same to this technology as well. You know, it fits the same pattern of uh, technological evolution. And I think the the millennials, especially in the Gen Zers, uh, are so focused on this that it's pushing tech companies, uh, especially hardware companies, to innovate and make things even greener and even cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And yeah, what we need is cold fusion. And would somebody please just invent it and then this would be finished. That's next on the list. That's next on the list, yeah. I mean, it's a technology-driven business, but it's used really for communications, and I know something you're fond of saying, to affect human behavior. It seems to me that really the immediate future of the digital signage industry is an attitudinal shift more than anything else. Is There's so much available in some of these CMSs for digital signage that a lot of companies just aren't using because they can't conceive of, you know what I mean? They're already, they're still thinking like, like posters and bulletin boards and things like this, and they're not using the technology to its fullest potential. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's um, that's the reality of this space. A lot of clients are still buying this technology based on the premise that they're replacing printed signs, right? right. They, unfortunately, they've not moved beyond that basic philosophy and embraced what the technology can really do in terms of helping them communicate better mm. and delivering their message in a more effective way and or creating an experience that the user will, will find much more memorable and mm. take with them. So, you know, I think that's just a reality of technology and us and others having to do a better job of onboarding clients so mm. that they fully understand what they can get out of this technology to help them, you know, achieve their overall business or um, institutional objectives. Interactive displays are ubiquitous. You carry them with you everywhere, and it's going to be your expectation that whenever you see an electronic sign or electronic device, your expectation is that you can interact. Right, and it just makes sense for them for something like digital signage to just just say, "Okay, yep, <laughs> we'll do it too." Yep. If that's what you want, then by gosh, give the people what they want. This is clearly what they want. That is correct. Yep. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you, Sean, for talking to me today. Thank you, Derek, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Hey, want more free stuff? Then head to the resources section of physics.com for free masterclass guides, blogs, videos, and more to help you with your digital signs. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review of this episode and connect with us on social media.